Welcome to Digging In, where we provide a front row seat to politics in New Hampshire. I'm State Representative Anita Burroughs. I'm here to bring you the inside track on the people and politics that are shaping our state. I'm speaking with Dave Luno, a state representative from Hopkinton, who has served in the New Hampshire legislature since 2014. Dave is the ranking Democrat on the House Education Committee and is well respected for being an articulate champion of public education in the Granite State. This is a two-part podcast. In the first episode, we will be talking about Prager University, the university that is no more university than was Trump University, and whose financial courses will now be used in New Hampshire public schools. And we'll also be talking about the controversial education freedom accounts. Dave, welcome to Digging In. Uh, Dave, first of all, I'd like to dive into what's called Prager University, which apparently is about as much of a university as Trump University is. Now, I knew somewhat about it because I'm in the legislature, but I have to say, I, I when I started digging into it, my my jaw dropped some of the things that I saw. And so let's just, for, for listeners who are not familiar with Prager, I want to do a little explaining and then we'll have Dave get into it. Prager is an ultra-conservative group. The first thing they started doing was producing online videos. Most of them are five minutes. They have young people creating them. They have a whole cadre of young people who do them. Many of the videos are incredibly misleading. They talk about uh, content like um, they do climate denying, wrong facts on racism, fascism, the LBGTQ community. And the one that struck me that I really, my mouth dropped was it was a cartoon of Christopher Columbus talking to children, and he says, isn't, isn't slavery better than death? No? And I, I just, I lost it at that point. It, it, it's just like, you got to be kidding. So now Prager is bringing their wonderful education program to New Hampshire. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you take it from here and, and, and talk to us about Prager and, and how they ended up in the New Hampshire uh, public education system. Thanks, Anita, and thanks for inviting me on. I'm re- I really appreciate this and and uh, the opportunity to 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 talk about Prager, but also talk about and but also what the what the Commissioner of Education uh, Frank Edelblatt and um, and the State Board of Education are really doing to our um, our fantastic New Hampshire public schools. And Prager is just another one of the um, you know the thousand cuts that uh, that they've been inflicting on our public schools and our, our public school students. And it probably makes sense to say right at the top that here in New Hampshire, we've got a lot to be proud about when it comes to public schools because our public school kids perform among the best in the um, best in the country. I mean, nationally, New Hampshire's usually ranked top in the top five, you know, either ahead or behind Massachusetts. Uh, we've got good company in this, uh, in this group. But what's very interesting about New Hampshire and I think probably everybody that listens to uh, to the podcast, but also who participates in um, you know going to local school district meetings, is that our school budgets are approved by the voters, and largely approved by the voters. So it means they're they're coming to school district meetings, they're listening to the school their local school board, they're listening to their administrators and teachers, they're debating amongst themselves. And at the end of the day, they vote on a school budget that they can afford 
and that delivers the best education that, uh, that their school district can, can provide the students. So Dave, let, let, me, let me interrupt you for yes. a second to ask you. So my understanding about Prager is that they are going to have a, I think it's a, it's a under an hour video of how to do finances, which to me, right. when I first look at, I thought, boy, I wish I had had that in high school. I didn't, you know, I didn't learn how to, how to balance a checkbook until last year. So I thought this is a good thing. Tell us why it's a concern for Prager doing this. Yeah. So why, why Prager is a concern is because um, basically the, um, the legislature last year increased the requirements for an adequate education to, to include a half credit of personal financial literacy. And um, generally, a half credit course in public schools is equivalent to a half year course. One credit is full year, half credit is a half year. So uh, Prager comes at this with I forgot. It's like it's like like fourteen or fifteen uh, five minute videos. So about an hour's worth of curriculum, and then students um, take a multiple guess exam to pass it. And again, it's one of those. It's it's another one of the thousand cuts on public education that's being inflicted by the commissioner and the state board of education to say that somehow that's equivalent to uh, to what we currently are doing with a full semester class and tests and a final exam administered by a professional instructor you know for schools to have to accept this type of curriculum and this type of assessment this type of really really low standard no standard type of product and do it under what's called the Learn Everywhere program. And I'll put that in quotes, because this is something that's been, I believe, copyrighted by, by the commission, New Hampshire Commissioner of Education to be this new great way to deliver instruction to our services at no cost to the school district. But in fact, the cost is to everybody, because we're going to have um, students that are getting credit for uh, you know, assumably learning um, uh, learning things like personal financial literacy, uh, but doing so on a on a basis that is really substandard, subpar, and and this is why I was talking about what are what are high expectations of our taxpayers that are paying for public schools. They're expecting high standards, but from this commissioner and our state board of education, they're getting low standards, no standards, and PragerU is a is a great example of that. I, I guess the question is. Why is the commissioner, Commissioner Edelblatt, he, for people who don't know, he's the commissioner of education, and I will say he, um, this is probably an understatement, has conservative viewpoints on education. There, there's a lot of concern about that. So are you concerned that this is going to go farther with, with Prager and that we're going to start incorporating some of the more controversial curricula that they have into New Hampshire public schools? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I certainly think this is the, the slope that the commissioner and the, and the state board are on. And whether that means that another, you know, 60 minute uh, series of 14, 15, five minute videos, whatever it is on history, gets you a, a half credit course in, in U.S. history, whether that includes the video that you talked about, you know, Christopher Columbus and the uh, assertions that, um, that Prager makes on the, the benefits of slavery and some of the other outrageous content that they've got. But uh, uh, what we saw following the, the state board's approval of Prager just a few weeks ago immediately following the state board, and this happened after hours of public testimony, nearly all of it opposed to Prager. Right, right. There, and, there was um, a lot of outrage. And what, right after the board approved it unanimously, 
uh, Prager released a, um, a presser on their um, website and some content uh, with the president, I guess, of PragerU. And, 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 uh, and I also, I got to say that calling it PragerU, the U doesn't stand for anything. They actually point that out as well. But uh, it's part of that deception that they're in fact a university, but they're not. But anyway, it was PragerU's president and the commissioner of education um, side by side saying New Hampshire and PragerU, what a, what a partnership to build on. Well, and yeah, and it's, it's really, it's, it's horrible. Well, let's talk about that because that's really concerning to me because the founder of Prager University has publicly said that he doesn't understand why it's not okay to use the N-word. And he also made a statement that if you hear claims that there are nooses on college campuses, it's it's African Americans who are putting them there. I mean, I mean, this is just unbelievable that we would associate with that. And I just want to talk about a couple the other the other um, videos, the wonder, wonderful videos that they have. They have a pair of them. One of them is called "How to Embrace Your Masculinity and How to Embrace Your Femininity." I mean, it advises young men to seek seek financial independence, set career goals, and become critical thinkers. Okay, that sounds okay. For the women, they say, make yourself pretty, embrace the idea of being a wife and mother, and try smiling. And to that, I say, go take a hike. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is just, I mean, this is what they want us to put in our public schools in right. New Hampshire. Right. Actually, I wouldn't have said, let's go take a hike. I would have said something worse, but I'm not right. going to say it. Right. Anyway, so, you know, I'm really concerned that they're going to um, further entrench themselves in New Hampshire education. I'm sure that you you feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they want to they want to take us all back a hundred years. You know, it's just it's just outrageous. I think in uh, this day and age, where together we've we've all been able to grow and you know see people really be able to make so many achievements for for Prager to to even suggest, let alone produce, let alone deliver through public schools, you know, this type of content to our kids is outrageous. And I think Granite Staters, by and large, by a vast majority, uh, wouldn't accept this type of right. homophobic, misogynistic, hate-filled, racist garbage propaganda in uh, in a public school. Right. Right. I, I absolutely agree with you. And for the, for my listeners who are not real familiar with Prager, I invite you to go on to their website. Prager is uh, spelled P-R-A-G-E-R University. They have many of these videos on there and you can see them for yourself um, and, and presumably be as horrified as I was. Yeah, just a word of caution on that because because um, there have been some people that have done that and then you know cookies get left on your your um, mm. your computer and then you get links yep. to Prager popping up on different ad sites and stuff like that and so uh, so a student that may have gone to um, to the Prager uh, website to get a half a credit in quote personal financial literacy after watching an hour's worth of videos will then get potentially inundated with links and teasers right, right. To, uh, to some of uh, some of their other content. That is, that is that is a good word of caution. Um, let's pivot a little bit, Dave, and let's talk about the uh, education freedom accounts, which have been very controversial. And um, this year, my understanding is about 1,600 new students joined, bringing the total number so far to about 4,200. Those are just rough numbers. And can you tell us a little bit about the program and why it's controversial? Yeah. So just to start with, the program came into being uh, during the 2022-2023 uh, the uh, state budget process. So it uh, came in three years ago. 
and it was uh, it was jammed in on a very partisan basis after the uh, House Education Committee had heard a separate bill and couldn't pass it in our committee. So it was uh, jammed into the state budget by Republicans in the Senate, and it was sold by the Commissioner of Education to provide low-income families with state money uh, so that they could access alternative educational opportunities for their kids. So rather than going to public schools, they could uh, do something else. They could use the state education grant to help them get there. And so it was, it was based on, a, on something to help low-income families. But since then, we saw uh, you know, a couple things. First of all, we saw hardly anybody leave their public schools. Right. I mean, right. Best, I, best I can tell looking at the numbers, because the number of kids in private and home schools has not ticked up any. And then when you look at prior years, the number of kids that, that exited uh, public schools, you know, to go into non-public options. Uh, and then you look at the, you look at the number that, that above that, I mean, it's hardly any, all, all you can see, I mean, maybe 60 kids out of 165,000 students across the state left their, their public school um, to take because of the voucher program. But to date, I, I just want to add it up real quick. I'm looking at it on the screen, 36, 42, it's cost um, Grand State taxpayers over $40 million. Looks like 42, $43 million. So um, that's a lot of money to uh, move 60 kids out of their, their public schools. And has, uh, has that had an impact on um, the cost, the basic adequacy grant per student? Has that had an impact on it? You know, it from the grant to public schools, no, it hasn't because um, because most of the kids didn't come from public right, schools. Right. They were already in. They were already mm-hmm. attending uh, private schools, religious schools, or home schools, and they weren't costing New Hampshire taxpayers a dime. So now, Grand State taxpayers are spending on average about fifty two hundred dollars per student for these kids to go to private schools, religious schools, and home schools. And that $5,200, yeah, I mean, that's what the, what the state on average is, it's probably close to on average, mm-hmm. what the state's paying as the adequate education grant for public schools. But in public schools, we know what we're getting for our money. Right. We, know that, right, right. we know that student outcomes are among the best in the country. This is why I led off with that. They're among the best with the country. We know that the expectations of taxpayers are high on that. But we don't have any of this information when it comes to um, uh, students with vouchers. In fact, the legislation that was jammed into the budget four years ago, um, I'm sorry, two years ago, that did this specifically prevents the Department of Education for collect, from collecting any outcome data, any performance data on students. What little data that, that is, is very subjective and, um, and doesn't really, it doesn't really you know, provide any clear indication as to how well students are doing, what types of classes they're taking, are they in fact receiving an adequate education, which the state has an obligation to make sure that is available to, to all students. And that, that we as a state, we as business owners, want to make sure that we have, um, have a well-educated, um, you know, kids coming through the system that we can hire and, and uh, continue to grow our economy.
Dave, I have two questions uh, yeah. for you. One of them is one of the arguments that Representative Cordelli makes uh, a lot is that certain students need a different education than they're getting in the public schools. And I, I agree with that. I mean, there are some students who, you know, need to be homeschooled for, you know, I have a friend who had a child with, with severe anxiety and he homeschooled for a while. He's doing now in college doing great. So how do you respond to that? Is this, is the bulk of this program helping kids who don't function well in a, in a, in the public school system? Well, so I, I, I don't think that's, that's actually what's going on here. When you look at the numbers, it doesn't, it doesn't indicate that at all. And, you know, a lot of kids leave um, public schools for a lot of different reasons. You know, it's a tradition in a family, or I wanted to go play football, or I wanted to have access to certain, you know, arts or music classes or something like that. So, so a lot of people leave public schools for a lot of different uh, reasons. And that's great. What's what's important to to also you know remember is that public schools aren't one size fits all. They are specifically there to provide education to meet the needs of, of a very very diverse cohort of students. And you know it's one hundred sixty five thousand students, you know across the state. And every school is different. And schools deliver education that are really, you know, tied to uh, what uh, what their communities needs are and what their interests of the communities. You have locally elected school boards, and it's not about any sort of uniformity or every kid gets the same education and in, in in every school. And but to your point, yeah, I mean, I can I can certainly see if a parent or if a family is having difficulty in a school that they may want to um, to seek an alternative. But the school systems already have something for that in place. It's called manifest education hardship. And you talk with your your um, your local superintendent um, or your local or a local school board member and to take it to the superintendent. And superintendents can work these things out between different school districts. So if um, if you've got a situation that doesn't work um, you know for um, uh, for a student in a certain school there are ways within the system to uh, within public schools to uh, to be able to accommodate uh, the, the right system. right uh, and here's my other question i i've long had um, concern about some kids who are homeschooled and i you know this is an example close to home again a friend whose daughter was homeschooled till the age of 13 as an adult came to their parents and said you know i think this really messed me up you know i'm now in college i don't have interpersonal skills the kind of pers- interpersonal skills that I think I should have at my age. And I really think this mucked me up. And I'm, I'm really angry at you, both of you, my, my parents, for doing that. And um, this child that was at the age of 13 demanded to go to school, which I think was great, but um, is really struggling now. So, you know, my, my concern about the homeschooling piece, again, it ties, you already talked about the um, lack of standards for the schools. What are we doing about standards for homeschooling? And some of the families, I understand, do get the, the education uh, funding. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, vouchers can be used for for homeschooling costs, but there's just no accountability on what sort of instruction or what sort of education is being delivered. Uh, in fact, it's it's to to such an extent that a family could take the voucher fifty. What did we say it was fifty two hundred dollars approximately? You know, uh, per student, it's more. It could be as much as eight or nine thousand dollars per student if if you've got special education or other special needs. 
and there's there's absolutely nothing saying that you need to provide any sort of um, instruction or uh, or educational service to those um, to those students. And there's not um, there's not any sort of sufficient financial oversight to the voucher program to say that reimbursements of costs to parents aren't being used for for um, you know fraudulent uh, purposes. And we've seen that in other states. You could go on a cruise, right? With you could take your kids on a cruise using that money hypothetically. Yeah, I mean, you could you could do that. I mean, what they saw in Arizona was um, the family bought uh, jet skis with the money, and there's just there's no way to tell. There is a legislative oversight committee for the for the voucher program. In fact, they had a meeting last week, but at an earlier meeting, the uh, the director of the um, third party that administers the um, it's a private contractor that administers mm-hmm. the program. You know, she basically said, hey, you know, if uh, a parent gets reimbursed for an expense and then they return whatever it was, a laptop, and buy something else with it, there's no way of them knowing. And more than half of this, what do we say, $42 million has gone to um, reimburse these sorts of expenses. So so we just don't know. And there, there doesn't appear to be much appetite, at least through the um, the the Legislative Oversight Commission has three Republicans and two Democrats on it. There's a lot of interest among the two Democrats, but there doesn't seem to be any appetite on the Republican side to ask any any you know real questions as to where the money's going and follow right. the money. But but thankfully we do have a, um, a performance audit coming up in 2024 to be conducted by the Legislative Budget Assistance Office, and if anybody can do a a follow the money type of audit. Uh, they're certainly um, ready and capable of, uh, of doing that. But I also hope that they will also look into, um, you know, what this program is doing for students. Are we harming our students by, by not actually providing them with the educational services they need or the, uh, the social and emotional skill development that they need to have in order to be successful uh, in life? And I just want to put in a quick plug for one of... Um, um, you know, for a, uh, uh, he's a, he's a, um, he, he passed away a couple of years ago, but he's a, a former uh, professor at MIT and, uh, taught artificial intelligence, but he also taught a, um, a seminar on, uh, what it takes to be successful. And, uh, and he said the success, your success in life is based on three things. The, um, your ability to speak, your ability to write. And third, the quality of your ideas and mm-hmm. in that order. So, you know, I, I think it's interesting because he's not saying that you've got to go to MIT to right. be successful. He's not saying that you've got to get an A plus in calculus or algebra in order to be successful. But you sure as heck better be able to work with people, talk with people and deliver information and work with that is abs- I mean, that is absolutely true. And you see it in the legislature. I think some of the most effective legislators we have are those who really can work with other people on both sides of the aisle. Those are the ones who get the bills passed. So um, that is so important. And I think some of these, I'm not saying all, some of these kids don't get that. I just happened to see last night on a news show, um, two sisters talking about their homeschooling. And one of them actually had a chart of her lessons for the, you know, so-called lessons for the day. And most of it was cleaning the house, which is Mm. um, pretty appalling. Yeah. Pretty appalling. So. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like it ties right in with what PragerU wants, um, wants people to be doing. Right, right, right. 
Jason Gerhardt is a New Hampshire state representative who assumed office in 2022. Now, Jason served 12 and a half years in federal prison for purchasing several rifles and helping to build bombs and other explosives. Jason gets my award for New Hampshire Putts of the Week, and it has nothing to do with the fact that he actively supported two convicted criminals during a well-publicized nine-month standoff with federal authorities. I do believe in second chances. I really do. I really do. Now, Gerhard gets the award for bringing creativity into the legislative process. I just I want to share with you some of the bills that he is sponsoring or co-sponsoring this year. Gerhard is the proud sponsor of a bill that declares that New Hampshire be independent from the United States of America. I mean, who can't get behind that? Gerhard is also a co-sponsor with a buddy to establish a commission to investigate the USS Liberty incident of 1967 and its aftermath. If you're not familiar with the incident, in 1967, Israel attacked a U.S. naval research ship called the Liberty. And this was during the Six-Day War, and Israel said that they mistakenly believed that the craft was, was an Egyptian vehicle during the war. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't think of a better way to use the legislature's time and money to review a bill such as this, particularly because the New Hampshire House has actually no business or no purview in dealing with foreign affairs, particularly something that happened in 1967. Gerhard and a group of merrymakers sponsored a bill relative to prohibiting the state of New Hampshire from enforcing the regulations of the Environmental Protection Agency. I mean, who amongst us could not agree that we don't need to preserve our environment, our waterways, and our streams and our woodlands, which is the heart and soul of our tourist industry? Why should we protect that? That makes no sense. And last but not least, Gerhard was a sponsor of a bill whereby New Hampshire should not prohibit, restrict, or regulate the private sale, purchase, use, possession, or donation of human blood or organs in the state. Now, what I want to say to you is make sure grandma and grandpa are safe. And if I were you, and I'm going to do the same thing, my pets will not be unsupervised as long as Gerhard is promoting this bill. Now, to honor his contribution to New Hampshire life and politics, I want to award the New Hampshire Putts of the Week to Jason Gerhard. Well done, sir. Thank you for listening to Digging In. I want to thank Dave Luno for joining me. For my next episode, Dave will be back for a second look at public school education, speaking about standards for public education, school funding, and donor towns. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Digging In wherever you get your podcasts. I would also appreciate it if you could spread the word about this podcast to your friends and on social media.